the big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. So before we even started recording, I said, Max, let's stop the conversation right here because you're getting into something really good. Great conversation, great dialogue, a topic I really wanted to get into for quite some time now. And I knew we'd end up here, but you were talking about being a uh, black Celtics player and what that meant to not obviously not only the city, but for the entire race. I don't even think you even say black Celtic player, just a black Celtic. And it has a little bit more punch to it. Um it was always it was it was really strange playing for the Celtics because of all the things that surrounded the Celtics when they said you know this is a racist team and all this. I mean, then once I get here, I find out that you know Celtics. The, the last thing I would say would be the Celtics would be a racist team. So it'd be the, from the outside outside looking in. You know, when you think about the Celtics having the first black player in the NBA. And then you'd have the first black coach, and then you have the first starting uh, black five. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, that that to me is that's 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 black history. Mm-hmm. But most people don't even know that about the Celtics, nor did I know it about the Celtics. So everything Red Auerbach had done decades before you arrived to the team, you feel like it was just people forgot about it, or they just I, didn't know. I didn't, didn't know. I was um, I was at a, a NAACP. Uh, award ceremony probably about three years ago and I was representing the Celtics and the Bruins were there and they said before I got there the lady said well uh, one of our people at the office said well you will you know you will not have a speaking part all you're going to do is walk up wear one of your nice suits smile and take a picture mm-hmm. well when I get there the lady says well we'd like for you to talk for five minutes I said, oh okay but you know five minutes for me isn't a big deal so I get up and I said, well, I, you know, I'd like to thank you know, this honor to come in here and receive this award on behalf of the Boston Celtics. I said, and they're asking me right now to speak for five minutes, which I did not know. And a little laugh. But I said, well, let me give you the history of the Boston Celtics. Mm. And I said, the first team to have a black player, the first team to have a starting black five, the first team to have a black coach in Bill Russell. Uh, Chuck Cooper was the, the first player, black player in the NBA. And people were like, just almost like a gasp, like, wow. oh my God, how could this be? And, you know, we didn't, we didn't know this. Mm-hmm. We didn't know these facts about the Celtics. This is what, 1981 this, or so? This was, no, this was two years ago. What? 2017 or 2016, I went to a, wow. you know, NAAC, you know, they had a, a meeting here in Boston. And um, like I said, that that fact was not even known to most of the people who were there. And every time I said another fact, they were like, whoa. I said, whoa. And then I said, Bill Russell, you know, the first black coach. People like, whoa, you know, didn't know it. But I guess that I'm saying all this to say it over the years, especially when we played the Lakers during the during the 80s, in 1984, 1985, and all those years that they played them, it was a, it was almost like a, it was such a stereotype that you were a black player here with the Celtics. Like, you chose this team. 
mm. when in fact this team chose you. Very, like I said, Robert Parrish got traded here. I was uh, I came here as a rookie. Uh, um, ML Carr, he was one of the guys that came here as a free agent. But there weren't that many guys who were of color who came here. And I remember Michael Cooper and Magic Johnson pretty much calling ML Carr fiddler. And that was in this guy Roots who was almost like a a, a turncoat to his race. And I didn't understand. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. them okay, to roots, yeah. yeah, to understand that was and the way they mocked him. It was it was really for me. It was very. I was like a slap in the face mm-hmm. because as players, all we want to do is to play on the team and play well, but to to be identified as a white team when we had great black players, right. It was uh, it was just really unfair, but it was one of those things that kind of came along with the territory of being with the Boston Celtics. So that is one of the things I always wanted to talk about is just the fact of you know being with the Celtics. And man, I remember Matt Johnson distinctly saying uh, he was in the hotel in 1984 when the Celtics were about when they were going to play us in the seventh game or playing us during the series, and he was talking about. Some of the um, some of the staff, some oh, okay. of the black staff in the uh, hotels they were in, maybe it was the Four Seasons or wherever they were, saying, you know, go out and beat them white boys. Mm-hmm. Go beat them white boys. Well, this is in Boston. Yeah, this right. is in Boston. Right. It was the people of color saying, go beat them white boys. When it really was, we had you know great black players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is just really strange playing in that situation and thinking how proud I was. Of my blackness, ML Carr of his blackness, Robert Parrish, Gerald Henderson, all down the line of their blackness, but almost to a fault that people looked up, looked at us as um, almost turncoats, like you mm. know, like we were, like we were turncoats against our very race. Mm. It's really interesting stuff because I remember growing up, a lot of the older guys, like on my on my neighborhood and my block. They would see me wearing Celtic stuff. They would see me, you know, talking about Paul Pierce and how great he is. And I remember them specifically. I know this one conversation with this uh, older guy. When I say older, he was probably, I don't know, if I'm like 13, 14, he's probably in, I don't know, 27, 28, you know, around that age, maybe 30. And I remember him saying, why are you a Celtics fan? I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes, why do you, do you don't know the history of this city? You don't know the history of uh, the way they treated black people and stuff? Like, why would you ride with them? I said, because I was born and raised in this city. You know, I grew up a fan. I didn't see it that way. Ride in what way? That was always the thing to me. What way were you not riding? Your era with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett yeah, and Ray Walker Allen. And, or, that, yes, that, or even before that. That, 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 that yeah. was a different era. But I'm talking about the era when you had... Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Exactly, but that's what and, he's talking and, about. And, that's and what the guy's Dennis talking Johnson, about. Dennis Johnson, I mean, um, uh, Dennis Johnson, well, not Dennis, but I would probably say Danny Ainge right. on that team. And you had you know, had some great white players. Or you think about John Havlicek or, you know, mm-hmm. even uh, Dave Cowens during mm-hmm. that time. Celtics are always, for whatever reason, got the best white players. Right. And I think people were pissed about that. Yeah. I don't even I don't even understand why, but it's like because they they were promoted. Right. But they were great players. I don't I don't think you could say anything else. I just remember thinking how could that carry over for so many years? Cuz we're talking about I think we're at that time we're probably about I don't know 
15 years removed. This is probably 2000 or 2001 or so. And I'm thinking he's still holding that against. Like he's still holding on to the fact that he was cheering for the Lakers throughout those years. Yes, man. And he would never cheer for the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking about, hey, I was just born around that time in the 80s. You know, I didn't live through that stuff. To me, I see the game and I see the team and I see a city. I see Boston across these players' chests. That's my city. But people still see it as a town of whatever it is, racism. Mm. And I don't know why Boston got that stereotype you know being like oh my god this is boston this is, how y'all live in that racist ass town mm-hmm. and well there's a lot going on back then max i mean well, it wasn't well, let's, let's can't see act like it was all good between blacks and whites in the city well, in the 80s. i mean but what other but that happened in a lot of cities just mm-hmm. is it boston did not have a monopoly on racism everybody thinks that the busing incident in Charlestown and all that was like, oh my God, we've mm-hmm. never seen that before. This is only happening here, not Dude, all over the country. that was yeah. all over the country. I got that you. Was okay. throughout, that yeah, was yeah, throughout yeah, the South. Now, maybe because it happened later here, then people maybe looked at it differently. But, you know, that is that is just kind of crazy to me. Because mm. I remember distinctly, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I was as prejudiced as I could be as a black player. Because I never thought any white player, I never think, uh, like I said, I never thought any white boys could play, be, mm-hmm. be better than me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that was just not, in, fathom in my mind that I could not have a white guy who was better than me in the game of basketball. But God's funny. God didn't give me one. God gave me two of the greatest white players ever to put <laughs> them on my team. <laughs> two of the greatest white players to be on one team. He put them on my right next team. to you. <laughs> and, and and I remember distinctly the first day Larry Bird came in and and we drafted Larry. I was thinking like, okay, okay. And I remember that first day playing against Larry and giving him this slow clap. I was over on the bleachers when he came in, and, and I was sitting there, and, and my ignorance defies me now thinking about it. Mm. But I remember sitting over there on the bleachers uh, with a couple other black guys, and here I go, and I'm like, okay, here it come, the great white hope. The here here, here we hype. go, here yeah. we go. Now, mind you, we would, we would I stepped down that court, and it became a whole different story then. My first play, I always remember guarding Larry, and from about 15 feet away, knocks down the first jump shot. And, you know, by the time, at the end of the day, I'm sweating my ass off guarding it. Now, I gave it to him on, on his end, on his defensive end, but he gave it to me. Right. So, it was, I remember the, going to the first black black player I could see that day and saying, fucking white guy can play. <laughs> he can. He can play. Tell every and, black and, dude and, you know and every, <laughs> that this dude and, can and, play. And then, know. Every time, every city that we went to, then we had, guys hadn't seen Larry. The first thing they knew me, they say, yo, yo, remember, how's, uh, how's this bird kid? I said, you'll find out in a minute. <laughs> so it was. to let you know. Yeah, so it was just, I mean, to me, it was just so unfair I don't see it out. It was so unfair to me. I was like, God, how could you do this <laughs> to me? It's like one of those things. How? Why would you forsake me, my Lord? It's like you gave me like not one. I can say it. I can see one, but not one, but two. And and Danny and Danny wasn't a slouch himself. So right. to see that, it was just um, it, it was it was just almost comical. But I think it's just it's just really weird when you think about it about the guys that were publicized 
at that time and you can go back and Celtics have seemed like they've always had and I, oh, people always said that that great one great white player, mm. and I think that that's the black backlash right now against Gordon Haywood mm. because he's that one great white player mm-hmm. that the Celtics were able to get and nobody else was able to get as a free agent. Mm. And so I, I think it's just really funny, and it's again it's unfair, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, it is unfair because obviously there's ties between him and. And Brad Stevens, you know, they date back to when people he was in high school. But no one exactly, no one cares about that. No, no one, no one cares to dig into that. Nobody wanted to see that. I remember Stephen A. Smith saying on his broadcast, he said Boston would love to have you know a great white player. They they would love to have you know Gordon Hayward. So they want a great white player. No, every team in the NBA would love to have mm-hmm. a great white player. We've said this before. When I said to you, I said. The way the world is, I think that if everything is is equal and you have two players who are white, one is white, one is black, and their abilities are kind of the same, he said they were both great players. I'll ask you, which kid, which one would be easier easier to market? Like a why? If the skill set is the same, why? because they're white. Okay, why? In a predominantly it, black sport, why would that be the case? What do you mean that would be? The case? Why? Why would that be the case? Why do you think that they would be that they would be easier? Oh, because to season ticket holders and fans, they would be able to relate to the guy. Obviously, I'm talking about white white crowd or white season ticket holders. They'd be able to relate to those to that guy as opposed to the black player. Well, I've said that out publicly before, and people and and people have almost mocked me like. Oh no, no! No, I agree that, with you. With that. that would not be, and I, it's really funny to because I think people of color look at it and say, "Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right about that." Mm-hmm. But white people think that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. I got you. That is, uh, that's just kind of crazy when you think about, you know, Magic. And I remember Magic and Byron and, and Cooper. You know. Always, you know, because ML Carr was waving the towel mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And you don't know how many times, and uh, you know, and ML, ML Carr is my guy. But you don't know how many times people have come up to me and said, man, I remember you. I remember you when you were waving the towel. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> I just, it was, wait a minute. I, I swear to God, it was no more than two months ago. <laughs> Guy came up to me going, "Yeah, I remember you, man. Yeah, you were waving. Remember you 2019, were waving. Yeah, you were waving that towel back in the day." I'm like, uh, "Dude, that wasn't me." Dude said, "Yes, it was. I know it was you." Now, if I just saw a tape of you the other day, you waving. That I said, was you. Wait a minute. How could I be waving a towel if I'm guarding the guy on the court? I must be. I know I'm a bad dude, but that wasn't happening. So even that is another thing which I think is almost comical. How many times? At least, at least twice a month, people will see me and go, "Hey, what's up, ML? How you doing?" Damn. So it's just really funny how that that happens. But the whole towel thing, I think, is just so funny. But a lot of people did not like ML Carr. Is even Ice Cube has something about ML Carr uh, saying something in the um, Thirty for Thirty uh, Celtics versus Lakers. He said. Uh, yeah, the ML car waving that damn towel. You know, his his you know, his Tom as people like to say, his Tom and ass. Like, damn. you know, like he was and it's just really I think it's just really it, it was really something I've always wanted to talk about because of uh, just that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, people saying, Oh, you guys were Uncle Tom's because you played with Celtics. 
Now, if you don't know what Uncle Tom is, Uncle Tom is a, a brother who uh, who likes white people, who will do more mm -hmm. for somebody white than he would black. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case with ML Carr. But people have identified the Celtic players who won that team at that time. You know, even if we defended our teammates like Larry Bird or Kevin McHale or or Danny Ainge, you know, we, we came to their rescue. If something happened, it was almost like, ah, oh, I can't believe you guys would come to their rescue. Mm -hmm. Race and being a teammate are two different things. When you're a teammate, you're a teammate. The, the race thing, after you get by it, like I did with Larry Bird initially, just becomes a teammate. Mm -hmm. And you learn to play with that guy. And you would defend him because he is now your brother. That's the great thing about sports. Yeah, he's your brother in arms. Yeah. You would think that that's the case, but yeah. but that's one of the things that happens now, even in our era, that, you know, Donald Trump is, and I do like what LeBron said, said Donald Trump trying to divide us because of race. Mm -hmm. And you saw what happened, you know, what Colin Kaepernick, that the message was no longer why he was kneeling. The message was that, you know, he's just un-American. Shut up and play. Yeah, he's... he's shut he's up a, and play. And that's what, yeah. well, and that was more like to the lady said about LeBron, just shut up and play, because mm -hmm. he gave his opinion about... Uh, Kaepernick and that to me is just almost, again if you think about what America stands for what Kaepernick did what Kaepernick was doing at the time was basically what you do as an American you have the right everybody said well you don't have the right to do it because you played the sport and you have the right to do pretty much whatever ever it is right. now, you make these millions of dollars so you don't have a right to speak up on things right, like right. this no right. you don't have a, you can't say a damn thing right. and that is just uh, that's just really sad you know, you know I paid my money and I don't I don't want you to you know uh, you know uh, do anything that's going to uh, tarnish or be negative towards the flag mm -hmm. well I love a, a reporter one time this was one of the greatest things ever he said some guy was talking about how he, when the NFL players were were kneeling down quietly in protest, uh, you know, during the national anthem, he said, I tell you what, when they did that, I really gave it to those guys. I was booing and I was yelling. And the reporter came back and says, so women, you were yelling and screaming during the national anthem. <laughs> God, like, no, 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 no. You were yelling <laughs> yeah, you were. and screaming during the national anthem when you had one side with a silent protest yep, yep. and the other side just ripping the new one and not being quiet. And, yep. and you can't even hear the national anthem because you're yelling over it. Imagine if the players did that. Yeah. Imagine they were yelling yeah. and, and chanting yeah. during the national yeah, anthem. Yeah, oh, man. Yes, yes. So you can't have it both ways. Right. Cannot you cannot have it both ways. Yeah. Whereas you know, and I think that's that's the sad point where we talk about being teammates now. You know, when you go on and like I said, being a black Celtic at the time, I understood certain things. One of the things that probably is most offensive to me was what the Red Sox did recently, uh, when they went to uh, the White House, mm -hmm. because there was a reason. Let make sure we get this right. There was a reason why they changed. Yaki Way mm -hmm. into Jersey Street. Jersey Street. What was the reason why? Because uh, Yaki was a famous, uh, essentially a racist who didn't want any black players coming from the uh, from the Red Sox. He would keep them in the minor leagues and make sure they don't move up when they were deserving of those positions. And finally, the Red Sox were the last 
baseball organization to finally put a black player on well, the supposedly Red Sox I, I think that there was one article where it said um uh mr yaki uh screamed out at that time jackie robinson was on the field i think before the tryout with mm-hmm. the red sox and said get that damn nigga off the field mm-hmm. and that to me but but now let's move on to what happened last year of going to the white house you had your manager not go who was, was Puerto Rican? Who was Puerto Rican? Remember what happened with Trump right, and Puerto Rico, right? right, right throughout right. that, but he he didn't go for yeah. what, what reason? He didn't go because of because of, yeah, what his his opinion. So because Trump, if, how long it, it take him to get down there? And right, he was so, throwing out paper towels. So if you're thinking about during the hurricane, about relief, what they did, how you changed Yaki way, and you said you're sending a message to the fans that we're not about racism, mm-hmm. we're about being all inclusive. This is what we're about right now, mm-hmm. but. How can you do that if most of your players don't even go to the White House? Mm-hmm. Either you go together as a team, or you keep your ass home. Mm-hmm. That to me it's is gotta be one or the other. Yeah, I agree. you can't take you can't take people who were you know who were ball boys or who were working in the front <laughs> office. We didn't enough to fill a team right here. <laughs> that to me that was that to me was from my standpoint. That was one of the worst things I've seen in the last, I said, 10 years that the Red Sox have been around or wow. I've seen anything like that because I just didn't feel that that was, that was the thing to do at that time. I mean, if you're going as a team, if you're going with the Patriots and yeah, black players want to go, hey, I got you. Mm-hmm. But you it's, just, it's one or the other because you just change Yaki way. Well, not only that, but it's a slap in the face for the players who didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the coach. Especially him. Coach is your coach. We're talking about a predominantly Latino team. Well, obviously, Donald Trump hasn't said the nicest things about Latinos, you know, from the, from the Mexican quotes to the calling the rapist and, and, and saying that, uh, you know, this is an, an invasion going on. Well, he was free. So that's the predominant Latino team. And, you you know, from the beginning, from the, when the Red Sox won the World Series, I said, well, a lot of those players are going to go to the Donald White Trump House. did one good thing. I mean, he showed me his form in basketball when he was down there. When he got the paper towels and started shooting them out. I was like, what in the hell is going on? What the hell is going on here? Embarrassing. I mean, you're talking about, hey, here you go. <laughs> Use this in your house and here's one for you. <laughs> it's like I would appreciate it more if he just handed somebody the somebody the paper towels and shook, the shook hand. their hand. Like, yep. You know, like yep. these paper towels are like gold or something. <laughs> like Hey, hey, you, shake their hands and say, hey, sorry you haven't had yeah, electricity for months. Sorry, whatever you have. Apologize but, for but, getting down here so yeah, late. But that to me, that is, that's just crazy. And like I said, with the with that thing with the Red Sox, that to me in the last, I'm going to say the last 10 years has probably been the most awkward thing that I can think that I've been around. Uh, you know, I happened to be here when they had, um, it was a couple of years ago, they had the, um, um, a couple of years ago when they had the uh, Nazis came here in Boston and they were right in front of my building mm-hmm. and they were out in the park and just remember all the people of color who came together and who protested, you know, that kind of stance and said it's not going to happen here in Boston. Mm-hmm. Now, they were allowed that, the, you know, the 12 Nazis or whatever it was were allowed to go on the podium over there. And but they were uh, surrounded by twenty five thousand people who were dead set against it. So that's why I said you, you, when you think about your city, that's a mixed message that your city sent. One, you have a city who is saying, "No, we're not going to have this racism. 
we're not going to but then you have on the other hand you have one of your one of your teams to say I'm not that you could have their team mm-hmm. not even like you know just a couple of people on the team who go who would go I mean that to me it was just I, I just didn't think that that was I don't think the Red Sox should have done that now is it my place to say that yeah as as a person who lives in this city because that team represents me right and so I, I just think that that was just a really uh, if they had a do-over they had a mulligan I think the Red Sox should have taken that mulligan and said, no, I don't think so. Right. They should have. I'm surprised they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't. That was just one of those things again where you you said, well, if the, if the stance they took and the message they sent out about Yaki Way, I appreciated that. That was a great and that was a bold move. Mm-hmm. That was a bold statement. But your statement can't be bold on that side and then come back and follow it up with something which which is like you got most of your players who are there, hardly any of them were of color, who were on your team. It's like, uh-uh. It was pretty white. You're yeah, right. pretty white. <laughs> that picture they took was pretty white. All right, let's circle back to, to, to being a black Celtic, though. Mm-hmm. From the beginning of your tenure in Boston to your to the end of it, what were some of the differences you think you saw in terms of maybe black Celtics fans or uh, the, what you saw in the NBA as a whole? Well, here's the thing I thought <clears throat> was really different in the fact that the day, the influence of sports on society and culture was, was clearly, I clearly saw it the day I was, and I had been in the league probably about, five or six years and we had won the championship with Larry. It was the day that I was in the was down south and I was in a black barber shop and on the wall was a picture of Larry Bird. That to me was like wow. wow. Because you have the you have you have Jesus <laughs> <laughs> of Doctor J of all these people and then it's like Larry Bird in the black bomb shop. Yeah, you gotta hold on, hold on. Just you gotta, you gotta explain to the listeners the significance of that because a, a lot of maybe our listeners, most of them or a good chunk of them, don't know what it's like to be in a black barbershop. Like, how significant is that? Black barbershop is like that. It's like for for a black man, it's like a mecca. You get it's a it's a traveling <laughs> exactly. house. You get information. People coming through there selling stuff. <laughs> Goods are being tra- it's really a funny place to be. If you ever want to go someplace, it's a it's a funny place to be. But it's also normally a, a, a place of um I guess culture and, and statements are made. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like I said, the day that I saw it, it was like <clears throat> like, you know, it was like you see these pages, Jordan, and then you would see, you know, Jerry Rice, and then you might see, but it's like, damn, Larry Bird's in a black barbershop, his picture? <laughs> Down there, I mean, too, in the mean, South. That, to me, that in was like, oh, oh hell, we have now crossed the line. We, we, we've, <laughs> we've gone over, and it's always strange that when you would find, even now today, when I find people of color who are uh, Celtic fans, and I, I will always kind of see them in these arenas, I'm like, and I look at them kind of cross-eyed, like, really? It's a, man, I, I've been a Celtic fan since you were playing. Or I'd get that same thing to me. Sometimes people of color would say, look, I ain't like them racist-ass Celtics. 
which I always thought that was crazy. I ain't like those racist, racist ass Celtics, but I did appreciate you, and I did appreciate Robert Parrish. That's so it. those are those so they're, are, they're friends of you two, not yeah, not the yeah. Maybe goals, maybe yeah. Dennis Johnson never got that from ML Carr. I mean, Ice Cube was the one that you know the actor Ice Cube. You know, even today on the the twenty for thirty for thirty, mm-hmm. he was sitting there criticizing ML Carr. He was like, "Can't believe that damn ML Carr stole the ball and solidified game. Maybe game five and." in uh, L.A. or whenever it was, yeah, Game 5. So it was just kind of funny to hear him say that. But that's what I mean. I feel like people at Cube's age, or maybe a little younger or a little older, that whole generation, even if you were born and raised in Boston, you didn't become a Celtics you, You're still not a Celtics fan. Yeah. You weren't a Celtics fan then, and you didn't hop on the bandwagon when they, when they, when they you know, Garnett and, and Ray Allen. You know what they said after 2008? You know what, man? I'm glad KG finally got one. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, the, the Paul Pierce got one. The Celtics got one. Oh, man, you know, 17 championships now. No, it was, you know what? I'm glad KG got one. I'm a big fan of KG. I don't like the Celtics, but I like KG. That was the new narrative. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that was the case. I did hear that quite a few times right? about KG, uh, you know, Paul, a local, you know, a, a local star in L.A. You know, people always, you know, look to him as like, a, how the hell could you play for the Celtics? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Dude, I don't realize people don't say you were drafted by the Celtics. Right. So you know you then if you choose to stay when you're a free agent, that might be a whole another thing. But Paul Pierce became a fabric here. You know he was fabric. You know he was a, a string. Uh, you know he was a he spoke in the tire. Mm, you know with the yeah, Celtics. But Max, I remember when things was things were turning a bit for a couple of years. Do you remember that? You know, uh, I don't know about this guy. He's throwing up gang signs, quote unquote, and 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 games. He's got himself ejected. Maybe this isn't the guy we want to rally behind. And they turned on him a little oh, yeah. quicker than no, I thought no, they, they would. Yeah, no, you they remember did. those years, right? Very much so. When Paul Pierce, I want to say like oh three oh four around yeah, then. Yeah, when he got stabbed and people did not. But he, he, yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't the truth at that time. Right. He was just right. that. He was just that Paul Pierce. That you know, that young black kid who was ignorant. Ignorant mm-hmm. and, and just you know did not know how to play the game. He's a did thug. Not, yeah, he was a, he was a thug. I hated that. Yeah, I so, didn't like that. So yeah, that was uh, that was a whole different era, uh, you know. And since I've talked to players about it, you know, I just saw uh, Byron Scott who played with the uh, Lakers uh, last week. He was at a golf tournament I was at. And uh, and first thing is, uh, yeah, you damn Celtics. But it wasn't anything Still, like, huh? but yeah, <laughs> but it's maybe just a hatred between the two teams. But again, it's, it's it was one of those things where color did come into play when you think about the Celtics and what they did and how mm-hmm. they play. Then you look at the the Celtic team that Paul Pierce had, and Ray had, and Kevin Garnett. That team was almost completely black. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scout. Yeah, the scout. Uh, so, it. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow. There used to the, be like, I think it was like a five or six year span where they had at least one token white guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. One or two. And that was it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> times have changed a bit, huh? Yeah. Times have changed. That's they, good. They moved on beyond that. So I, I, I think that's a good thing. But, but I was just talking about myself and during that time of the 80s and how we were viewed as as essentially like turncoats like mm-hmm. we were Benedict Arnold or some against people of color and and that wasn't the case the big girls love that chicks love the last shot opportunity somebody 
Give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah.